All right, we are back to podcast, and I hope everyone's doing well, and uh, you've had a good week in the Lord. Um, I am, I'm feeling well, and uh, I thank the Lord for it. Um, Of course, most of you know Sadie's sick, and uh, hasn't hasn't, uh, felt well this week, and not been in school, and so again, to err on the side of caution, like we did last week. Uh, we're just going to do podcast and uh, try to wrap up, or not wrap up, try to continue from Sunday morning. And uh, Sunday morning was a great time in the Lord. It really was, and I, uh, I'm thankful for it. And so we're going to, uh, I, I don't know that we're going to wrap up, but we are going to continue. And we... Uh, we discussed it, this come about as, as a request to talk about heaven, and um, heaven is a, a very wide ranging subject when it comes to uh, the scriptures. Of course, there are three heavens: there's the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven. And the third heaven is the current abode of God. It is where God resides, where he lives. He is on the throne, and uh, of course, Jesus is at his right hand, and he will come back to get us one day. And so, also in the third heaven, paradise has been moved. Uh, Paradise, previously, um, before the resurrection of Jesus, was in the heart of the earth, and it was adjacent to hell. Um, If you recall, in Luke 16, with the rich man in hell and Lazarus, um, he could see Lazarus um, from from where he was. The rich man was in hell, Lazarus was in paradise, and he could view him afar off, the Bible says. So paradise at the time was at the heart of the earth. When the resurrection happened, Jesus, of course, if you recall, defeated death, hell, and the grave. He had the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He obtained those keys by going to hell, defeating hell. And if you remember, I've preached messages on this, um, the captivity that was captive, that would have been the old Testament saints, those that had believed by faith in the God of heaven, in the Old Covenant, under the Old Testament, they were still saved by grace through faith, Um, but there was no cross. Uh, I've heard it said that they were looking forward to the cross. There was no cross to look forward to. The Jew totally missed the cross. They were not looking forward to the cross. They accepted by faith uh, or through grace and by faith the truth that they had and that they had been exposed to. So, when Jesus um, went to hell, defeated death, hell, and the grave, he moved paradise. He brought those saints of the Old Testament. He brought them to the third heaven, with a little pit stop on earth. You'll you'll read about that in the Gospels. 
uh, with a little pit stop on earth, and then he made his way to the third heaven with them. He came and ushered them in, effectively moving paradise. We know that because the Apostle Paul, when he speaks of being caught up to the third heaven, and uh, that's where God is, and um, that's where Jesus currently is, and that's where all of the saints that have died up until this moment, that's where your loved ones are. i seen that uh, Miss Evelyn had, we're on the, the anniversary, I believe, of Brother Ernest passing. That's where Ernest is. That's where uh, Jerry is. The, you know, it's not about, been about a year since Jerry passed. And so that's where our loved ones are that have passed and gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, they're in the third heaven uh, at paradise. We know this because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the Bible gives us answers to all of this. And so now we come to this place. We have begun talking about heaven. But I understand when we're talking about heaven, we're not just talking about the place. We're talking about the, the eternity for us. What does that mean? What does that encompass and I, I refer to, on Sunday, the regeneration. The regeneration means to make all things new. Well, there are three aspects of creation that will be made new. That's all things. That means all things. The three aspects of, of creation are um, the creation itself, the, the earth, the heavens, everything. All of that will be made new. The mountains, the, the, the oceans, the rivers, the lakes, the, the trees, the grass, the stars, the Milky Way, the moon, the sun. It's all made new. In fact, there will be no sun. He is the light of the new heaven and the new earth. Then we've seen the animal kingdom will be made anew um, with no curse. There will be no violence. They won't fear us. They'll lay down together. Uh, you know, the lion and the lamb and, and so forth. And, and I read the verses about the, the young child and the cockatrice dim, a young weaning, sucking child, the Bible says. So that leads us to understand that they, there will be birth. God is going to renew this all again. And he's going to do it with us. And he's going to do it with a glorified body, which we will not get covered here. We'll get started here. So, let's move on. The recreation or the regeneration or the renewal of all things, that consists of creation, that consists of the animal kingdom, and that consists of our bodies. Now, we don't have a glorified body currently. We just don't. I know this. I have been made well aware of that over the past couple of weeks with sickness of me and my family and loved ones. I am very well aware that these bodies are fastly and rapidly breaking down on us. They are destined for dust. Why? 
They are destined for dust because of the curse. We are, are living under a curse of death. We're going to die. Now, understanding that, we're going to have a glorified body. I will detail the glorified body later, either Sunday morning or Sunday night. Because before the glorified body happens, there must come a process. Okay, the process. So what happens is we either die where, where we get a resurrected body. It's different than the glorified body. We die, and when we die, um, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, if, if you remember, and, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit because I want to come back and teach this a little more in depth later. Like I said, either Sunday morning or Sunday night. Uh, when Jesus first come back, if you recall, he, he told Mary, he said, you can't touch me. He said, I'm not yet ascended to my father. That would have been the resurrected body. Okay, the resurrected body. The resurrected body would, would have been almost like a spirit. Um, it would be, there is a body there um, that can be seen and, and could be touched, but um, it, most likely, well, I, don't, I can't say that for sure, but I do know that Jesus made the statement, you don't touch me. Now, does that mean that she couldn't or, or he was advising her not or commanding her not to? We don't, we don't really have the details, but we do know that it was a visible body and didn't look um, exactly the same because, um, you know, she wasn't sure it was him at first. She thought it was a, you know, she didn't know if it was an angel or a spirit of ghost or what. But then in John 21, which we will detail very in, in greater later on, he was sitting by the fire with his disciples enjoying himself. That would have been the glorified state. That's going to be eternity for us, where we enjoy one another, where we can eat, we can drink. Um, he was eating fish, if you recall, cooking fish over a fire by the beach. Praise God. How wonderful. Now, having said all of that, the process that has to happen when we die, if if it's prior to the well, naturally it would be prior to the rapture. If we die, we go to be with the Lord. Then at the rapture, and all of us are called together. The next step is the judgment seat of Christ. Now, the judgment seat of Christ is for believers. I've preached on it a couple of times lately, actually. But it is not for the unbeliever. The unbeliever will go to, <clears throat> to the great white throne judgment, and it will be after this. It will be basically at the end of all things is, is when the great white throne judgment will be. So we've got the judgment seat of Christ. Now, at the judgment seat of Christ, the Bible says that, that God will present us as a chaste virgin uh, as his bride, right now we're not such. We, we are not chaste. We're not virgins in the sense that sin has not touched us. We are a defiled creature in our flesh. Our soul is saved, 
and we thank God for that, but we, we need to be chased to be the bride of Christ. So there is a, a passing through the judgment seat to prepare us to be this bride of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about today in 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. We, we may get to the rewards portion. We may not, but, um, but we're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. A steward is someone who has been entrusted with something that is not their own. Um, I remember when I worked at the prison, there was, there was something, a position called a kitchen steward. So the kitchen steward was in charge of the kitchen. He was in charge of the utensils. He was in charge of the pots and the pans and the and the, the cooking um, materials, the food, the, the flour, the you know everything. It was not his or hers, but they were in charge of it and held responsible for it. So. The mysteries of God, the Word of God, it's not ours. We didn't write it, but we are in charge of it. We are um, held responsible for it. I'm held responsible for the Bible that I know and teach. You are held responsible for the Bible that you will know. So we must remember that. Okay, That's why Bible reading and Bible study is so important. We'll be held accountable for uh, what we know and what we don't know, and therefore we should make it an effort to learn and understand the scriptures. Moreover, so verse number two, moreover, that means uh, to compound, that means more than what I've just said. Verse number one, we are the stewards of the mysteries of God. More than that, so that's moreover, verse two. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That's your requirement. You're not required to be the best preacher. You're not required to be the best teacher. You're not required to be the best singer. You're not required to be the most talented. You are required to be found faithful. That's it. That's not a huge requirement. That's not something extraordinary that God has placed upon us. He's just requiring that we be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. So Paul's saying, look, and what's going on is they're, they're judging Paul. They're, I've already documented and, and went in detail. It, you know, they're questioning Paul's stewards, the apostleship and Paul's just laying it out there. He said, it's a very small thing that if I'm judged by you. And and I feel the same way. I, I love you all. I love uh, my church. I love fellow Christians and other people. But no, our, our judge is God. And when we understand that God is our judge, not other people, then it's a very small thing when people judge us. It doesn't say they won't. It just says it's not that big of a deal. And it's really not. I mean, I, 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 I won't 
to have great relationships and people to be happy with with me but I don't it's not that big of a deal to me I, because I ultimately my ultimate judge is God and that's what Paul's saying he's saying it's a very small thing that I be judged of you um Verse number four, for I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. In other words, um, be careful. Be careful about the judgment that you make, especially until the whole thing is, is unraveled and you know all the details. Be careful about what you say, what you think, a decision you make, a judgment, a conclusion that you come to until you know all the details. You say, I may never know them all. That's right. That's what he says. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. So when he comes... He's judging everything and everyone, and there's going to be nothing hid. There's going to be no secrets. There's going to be no secret thoughts, secret actions, secret deeds. We see in verse number four that the hidden counsels of the heart to your very heart will be exposed. And therefore, the praise should go to God. That's verse five. Verse 6, and these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sake, that you might learn in us to not think of men above that which is written, that none of you be puffed up for one against another. In other words, quit, quit placing these men at such elevated places. Puffed up would be pride. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory? As if thou hadst not received it. Now you are full, now you are rich, ye have reigned as kings without us. And I would to God ye did reign, that we also might reign with you. For I think that God hath set forth us the apostles last, as it were appointed to death, for we made a spectacle of, of, to the world, to angels and to men. How about that? Far cry from what preachers elevate themselves to today. I, I, I mean, I've known preachers and churches that have devised preacher halls of fame. Um, they can have it. They can have it. In fact, I, I want as little to do with that as possible. I don't care anything about an earthly hall of fame because I want to be in this place in chapter four. And he said we've made it we've been made a spectacle. This is is it's an elevated position in the eyes of God, but in the world it's it's not an elevated position. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We're weak, but you're strong. You're honorable, but we are despised, even unto this present hour. We both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor, working with our own hands. So that lets you know that it's okay for a preacher to work with his own hands. 
to work a job, to not put undue unnecessary burden of the church on his pay, but that he work in order to uh, take care of himself as well as his family. Um, labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, that means to be despised, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. People don't want to be labeled as filth. They don't want to be labeled as lower class. But Paul's saying, hey, if that's how the world wants to view me, so be it. If I'm, if I'm for Christ and I'm doing the work of God, they can view me how they want to view me. Verse 14, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though we have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet we have many fathers, not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel, wherefore I beseech you be ye followers of me. So Paul's saying, look, this ain't just for the preacher, this is for everyone. You should follow me in this regard, that we not be puffed up, we not be prideful, that we keep a humble place. He says here, uh, for ver verse number 17, For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, that would be Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach every man, it teach everywhere in every church. Now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you. So he's saying, just because I sent Timothy, you think I'm not coming. I am coming. But I will come to you shortly if the Lord will. Paul puts Lord willing and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of of meekness. So, here in this situation, Paul is uh, telling them, look, I'm coming. I'm coming to you. And as I come to you, I'm going to come in love or I'm going to come with a rod. It's going to be dictated by your actions and by your attitude in this matter. And he, he prefaces Everything that he says in this with the rightful place that we should be and have and hold as Christians. And that is a place of humility. Because there had become a propensity with the Corinthians that from ministers to themselves. Because you've got to remember these are Greek people and, and Romans and and so what was happening is they they like a big show. You, you know, they like a big show. The Catholics like a big show. A lot of modern-day Christians like a big show. They like everything to be a big show, um, whether it's how you dress, how you perform, the building you're in, the thing, just, just childish things, okay? And Paul said, oh, look, he said, this ain't about a show. We're, we're considered the scum of the world by a lot of people. There's no need to, to, to try to elevate yourself, elevate us. It's not about how the world sees us. It's how we view are viewed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he is he's making the attempt to prepare them for the judgment seat, to teach them how to live. 
He had already elaborated on the judgment seat in chapter number 3. And so in this chapter, um, Paul is, is continuing to establish the rewards and, and not just the rewards, but how, how we're to, to live and to operate. Now, we're not going to all the, 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 the places, but we, let's do go back to 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, and look in verse number 10. We're going to go to 10 to verse 14. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this, and he, he begins to list the gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive, look, a reward. Now, I'm not going to turn to all the places. I'm going to give you these verses. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Hebrews 10, 34 and 11, 24 through 26. In Revelation 22, 12, and then right here in 1 Corinthians. And then numerous places in the, the Gospels where the parables are mentioned, we see the mentions of rewards. So the, the, the goal, the purpose at this point, we're saved, is that we live for rewards the reward ceremony, if you please, that will take place at the judgment seat of Christ. When that happens, when that occurs, that gives us the crowns, gold and, and silver and precious stones. Those are things that make up crowns. We are able to lay them at the feet of Jesus. And when he returns in Revelations, Revelation, he will have on his head many crowns. Those crowns that were made up by the life that were lived by the children of God. So that's how important living for God after you're saved is. A lot of people are saved and they never live for God. They never obtain crowns. They'll not fare well whatsoever at the judgment seat. And I know currently they think, well, that's okay. Well, that won't be okay when you're standing before him. And he's, he's wanting to give you a well done, thou good and faithful servant. When I'm standing before my Savior, this one that I'm in love with and is in love with me, and I'm going to be preaching for the next however long it takes to get you to be in love with him as you ought to be, when we're standing before him, it's not going to be enough just to have been saved. I want us to have some rewards. I want some crowns to lay at his feet. I want to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And as your preacher and your pastor, that's what I want for you. I hope you've enjoyed 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Rewards. I love each one of you. Good night and God bless.